This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 199 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands On Gloves, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have two passionate advocates of the horses. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I usually have my producer, Jen, with me today, but I have George with me today. Say hi, George. Hi, George. Thank <laughs> yeah, you so I much for Yeah, I thought you were going to do that. <laughs> I, I don't ever waste an opportunity to do that. <laughs> right. You always keep me smiling, George. I'm really happy to have you on board today, and I'm really excited because we do have some exciting people that I think you're going to learn something from. George, you're not a horse person, are you? Nope. And pretty much anything horse related is going to be a new experience for me. So I'm excited. Good. Then let's get started because we have first this from our hands on gloves sponsor. I love them. Thanks, Jay. Well, I'm sitting here today with Jay Michelson of hands on gloves. And we were talking today about the horse that has sensitive skin or the animal that has sensitive skin, Jay. And I I wanted you to help me address that a little bit. I know you've got some features to your products, but I know you know more about it than I do. So what do you do? What do you say to the, the owner that has somebody with sensitive skin? Our gloves are made from surgical grade nitrile. So that makes them chemical resistant, mildew resistant, because you can bathe with them too. They're made to get wet. Um, But across the board, there's no latex in them. So it's great for any animal, any people that have latex issues. There's no latex in it. They're just your hands. And if you have a thin-skinned horse or dog, they're, they're cats, other animals. There are many animals that don't like to be touched in certain areas. But having the gloves on, it's just your hands. You get immediate feedback if you get to an area of that animal that is sensitive. And you can apply less pressure in those areas, and you can apply more pressure in the other areas. Um, We have professional grooms that work from us. Um, They groom for Olympians across the board, and these guys are phenomenal. And they did a study on mainly thoroughbreds, thin-skinned thoroughbreds, Mm -hmm. and they found out that most people are grooming too light. (laughs) Oh, interesting. they're tickling the the horses. And went in and applied just a little more pressure, and the horses loved it. Uh And that's kind of some of our experience with it. We we have all kinds of animals and experience with that. I think you can throw these in the wash machine. Am I right? You can. Next time you bathe your animals with them, use the gloves. A little bit of soap suds up all the way. And what we do after we bathe our animals with them, we rinse them off, hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Um, You can throw them in the washing machine. Um, Just don't put them in the dryer. And um, just throw them in the washing machine. Hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Well, Jay, how do people find out about you? Handsongloves.com. 
Dr. Juliet M. Getty is an independent equine nutritionist with a wide U.S. and international following. Her research-based approach optimizes equine health by aligning physiology and instincts with correct feeding and nutrition practices. Dr. Getty's goal is to empower the horse person with the knowledge to provide the best nutrition for his or her horse's needs. Dr. Getty is the author of the comprehensive resource, Feed Your Horse Like a Horse, as well as seven topic-centered spotlight on equine nutrition series of booklets. She also offers an informative e-newsletter. It's really good. Forage for Thought. Her website GettyEquineNutrition.com provides a world of useful information for the horse person. Well, welcome back, Dr. Juliet Getty, one of my favorite, favorite guests. I'm so glad to have you back. Oh, it is really more than a pleasure. It's been a while. Thank you, Debbie. I'm glad to have you back. And, and uh, you know, I know how busy you are, so I always appreciate, and I'll say it right up here front, uh, appreciate that you do take the time to inform us and uh, take the time out of your day to do one of people's favorite things, record their voices. Most people don't like that, but I'm always so glad to hear your voice. So thank you for sharing oh. your time. Well, you're very kind. I do. I get a lot of pleasure out of this. It's, uh, it's, it's really very gratifying. So thank you for that. Well, I'm glad that you're so good at it too, because uh, today you and I talked a little bit about the next subject and it isn't one I hear as often as maybe I should, but it in this day and age when we tend to want to overfeed our horses, anybody listening guilty of that? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we tend to be. Um, but there are those horses that are hard keepers out there or right. ones that uh, do have trouble keeping on weight. So we're calling this one safely putting on pounds. And I think safely is a key word there too, because I guess we can stuff our horses with um, Mm, fat-laden things. I don't know. I'm I'm using words as a layman here as what we do when we think, ah, you know, I see he's a little ribby. But I'd like to hear from a doctor standpoint, sure. what do we do with our hard keeper and what's the best thing to do? Well, the first thing to think about is that there's lots of different factors that go into the reasons why the horse is underweight. So you have to really evaluate things before you start, you know, adding a whole bunch of uh, calories to the diet. Mm -hmm. So the first and most important thing I think is to check the horse's teeth. Mm. And um, this is especially problematic for older horses. Once horses get into their late teens and early twenties, their teeth can deteriorate really quite quickly and so you need to have their teeth checked every year. Okay. Um, so even if they were fine last spring, by the winter, they may not be so well. Uh, you know, so uh, that's if the teeth are having any problems of becoming loose or, or wearing um, on the molar surfaces or um, points are developing and, mm -hmm. and uh you know, inhibiting their, their ability to chew well and causing them pain. Uh, all of these things obviously are going to lessen the amount that the horse eats and therefore they're going to lose weight. So you have to make sure you have to rule that out. That's number okay. one. That's a good idea. The next, yeah. the next, <laughs> so uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the next thing that I would always do is test my horse's blood. Oh, okay. And, um, you want to make sure that everything's going well on the inside um, because a lot of problems really don't show on the outside. Mm -hmm. And so a blood test 
Um, usually I like to do a general CBC um, make sure the horse's um, immune system is good, red blood cells are good, but then also a large animal chemistry that tests for various liver enzymes. So I'm, I'm looking for anything that, that indicates possible liver dysfunction. Mm. And, and if there is any problem with the liver, and this is especially um, true for older horses who tend to have problems with being underweight anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to want to take a look at that. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but generally speaking, uh, low levels of albumin can indicate liver problems. Um, elevated levels of GGT combined with uh, ALP um, can also be an indicative of liver problems. Your vet is your best resource when it comes to um, <clears throat> interpreting the blood test. But I would definitely have that done to make sure that your horse is healthy. Um, and also, if there is a liver problem, that will affect what you choose to add to the diet. Because, mm-hmm. uh, okay. for example, if there is a liver uh, problem, you want to watch your protein intake. So, it's good to know what's going on before you start fiddling with the diet. Yeah, yeah. that's a healthy advice, piece of advice there. Um, I wouldn't have even thought that first. And, and do we have to worry, I guess the blood test might help you that, with this, but do we have to worry about um, sal- the saliva decreasing or anything about lubricating in the mouth at all? Well, I know yes. that be teeth, but yes? Okay. Absolutely. And that's a very good point. Saliva uh, does tend to decrease in quantity as the horse ages. And so moistening the, the feed, you know, adding some water to to whatever you're feeding um, will probably be well received by, by your horse. And of course, if they have a lessened saliva output, then their tendency for choke is increased. Mm-hmm. So you want to prevent that. Um, so that's an aspect of aging, not necessarily of um, weight issues, Mm -hmm. but certainly something to keep track of. Yeah, if you're looking at your oldster. So do you ever steam your hay for horses or have horses that are appropriate for that? Steam the the hay? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't for my horse, but um, if a horse lives, uh, is in a barn where uh, there's a lot of dust from the hay, um, then I think steaming is good. If there's any risk of mold spores, then it's a good idea. Certainly, if there's any horse that has respiratory ailments. Okay, so it's more for that, oil. though, yeah. and, and not so much so for the moisture. It doesn't help the moisture content. In- no, yeah. not, okay. not really. No, okay. not really. Yeah, it's, it's a little damp, um, but... I know some horses like to dunk their hay and their water yeah. nearby. And uh, and so there's never any harm in offering more water in variety of ways, for sure. Okay. All but, right. And that's not a, um, a, a weight issue situation. It's more of a, a digestive health situation. Gotcha. Okay, good. We all yeah. know about it for the respiratory. And I think it's... Or respiratory, yes. Yeah. So that's a good, that's a good direction to take people in that are that are, have a horse that's suffering from that. All right, what about the younger horse who might not be keeping his weight on? Well, um, then you want to look at two things. When, you, when you're looking at weight control or uh, underweight, we, um, we tend to just reach for the calories. You know, we'll add some oil, we'll add some more alfalfa, maybe more oats, whatever it is. Um, but before you do that, you have to take pick pay close attention to the hind gut. In the hind gut, which I'm talking about the cecum and the large colon, there are billions of bacteria that live there that 
produce enzymes that are di- that are responsible for digesting fibers. Mm-hmm. See, fiber is not digested in the foregut, which is the stomach and the small intestine. Fiber doesn't get digested down to calories until it reaches the hindgut. And so if those bacteria are in any way compromised, then they will not be able to derive calories from all that hay that you're feeding or the fibrous portion of that hay. And therefore the horse will not get enough calories and hence not get gain enough weight. So it's very important to uh, do a couple of things. The first thing that I like to do when I see an, an underweight horse is I like to deworm the horse for insisted larvae. And this is something that most people do not pay attention to. They'll have a fecal test and, the, and uh, maybe deworm with ivermectin. Um, uh, but those things don't uh, show up on a fecal test. Insisted larvae do not. Ivermectin does not kill them. Mm-hmm. The only thing that will kill insisted larvae would be um, moxidectin mm-hmm. or Fenbendazole, those two uh, deworming medications. And the reason this is so important is because larvae, particularly from small uh, strongyls, uh, mm-hmm. what we call small red worms, can become um, burrowed into the gut wall and mm-hmm. they get encapsulated or insist, uh, insisted mm-hmm. and they impair the absorption of nutrients So when you impair the absorption of nutrients, the horse is not going to maintain a normal weight. So when you're seeing a horse with less than normal weight, you might be thinking you're overworking him or you just up the feed, but actually you're just, you're probably increasing the whole issue by feeding the larvae, I guess. Is that what they're doing? Well, they're not feeding. Well, I'll tell you, they, they, um, they're not really feeding the larvae. All horses have some worm infestation, sure. but but some horses do get a, a higher infestation of small strongyls, which can pr- produce these insisted larvae. Uh-huh. And so I like to give um, a horse um, a five-day uh, Panacure power pack uh, once every year or two or um, moxidectin because that's the only way you're going to get rid of these insisted larvae. And you want to rule that out. So just like we took, we took a uh, look at the teeth. We took a look at the liver uh, with blood work. And now we need to make sure that there aren't any problems in the hindgut. Now, Um, do you make that call or do you want the vet to make that call? Um, well, you can ask your vet about it. There's never any harm with that. But generally, um, a five-day presentation of venbendazole is pretty common. Yeah. Um, it's really not uh, going to harm your horse unless unless there are some underlying health issues, in, in which case, if you're concerned, then always ask your vet, obviously. Yeah. And you would have caught that in the blood work, maybe. So, and then getting back to the health of those microbial population in the hindgut, you have to feed something that's going to give them food. A prebiotic is what it's called. Right, right. Now, a probiotic is different than a prebiotic. Now, many products contain both, and that's fine. 
But a probiotic is a, a live microorganism. It's generally beneficial, like if your horse is under a lot of stress or taking antibiotics, for example. Mm-hmm. But a prebiotic is actual uh, foodstuffs that feed the existing bacteria that allow those bacteria to to uh, um, the, the, you know to be all of good numbers to mm-hmm. multiply mm-hmm. Um, to flourish and therefore the better they are the healthier they are the better they can derive calories from the fiber that's in the hay yeah good 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 okay so uh, let me just tell you what to look for yeah prebiotics would be generally speaking something on the label would say f f is in frank fos that stands for fructo oligosaccharides or mos which stands for manin oligosaccharides and both of these are long chain carbohydrates that are food supply for the hindgut microbial population okay you wouldn't have a white paper on this or anything, did you, <laughs> Dr. Getty? <laughs> there's I'm a lot more people to write this out soon, but um, yeah, that's it's it's uh, there's a lot um, there's a lot of things here that you might want to take notes on for sure. No, would well, you? Yeah, do you have any of this on your website? Come to think of it, um, no, no, but I'm thinking of my next forage for thought. I'm thinking of putting this out. Okay, we're going to start a campaign to to get you to put that up there. Okay. <laughs> No, that's wonderful. I mean, it it is one of those things that's intimidating to most of our our listeners who you know, especially ha- who have you know one or two horses, and right. it's, not, well, it's not their yeah yeah they're they're living to do this yeah. Well, let's get to the part that most people feel comfortable with, and that is feeding your horse yeah <laughs> enough calories so that they can gain weight. Good. So now that you've covered all your bases, you know the teeth are good, the blood is good, you've addressed the fork, the hind gut by making sure there's a prebiotic in the diet, um, deworming for, for assisted larvae. Once you've done all those things, um, then you can start concentrating on adding more calories to the diet to help your horse gain weight. Our favorite part. Okay. Let's yes. <laughs> yes. Horses love to eat. And now you just don't want to throw anything at them. You don't want to throw a lot of uh, oats or sweet feeds at them. Um, That's really not a good, good idea. Too much starch really um, promotes the formation of bacteria in the hindgut that um, lead to really damaging byproducts that can cause well, cecal acidosis can cause even laminitis. Um, so, so you don't want to overfeed starch. I don't recommend that for any horse, not just those for who are metabolic, mm-hmm. but for any horse. Um, and so instead of starchy feeds, you're better off looking at adding more fat in the diet and more protein. And fat also, you want to choose the right kind of fats, and I've written a lot about that. Okay. Um, but basically, you want to have a source of omega threes. Yeah. And these are like chia seeds, ground flax seeds. They should be ground, never whole. Um, mm-hmm. And 
even oils that are high in omega-3s, such as uh, hemp seed oil, camelina oil, flaxseed oil. But stay away from those things that are high in omega-6s because those induce inflammation, and we certainly don't want that. So you kind of stay away from corn oil and soybean oil. Um, wheat germ oil is another one that I've come across mm-hmm. occasionally. So those are just not doing your horse any good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. I think a lot of people don't know that. They just actually, I've seen places where it says, you know, make sure you add a little oil to your horse's diet. And I think, well, that's not a very fair statement. You know, you should well, be a little more specific than that. Yes, absolutely. And most of the fat that's added to feeds, like if you look at a feed bag and let's say it has oh, 6% fat, well, that's a fair amount. Mm-hmm. But you have to read the ingredients to find out where that fat is coming from. And typically it'll just say vegetable oil or soybean oil. And that's not what you want. It's not that those are bad to feed. It's just that they throw the omega-3, omega-6 ratio out of out of kilter. And so you want to make sure that you also add, uh, like I said, a source of omega-3s to balance out those omega-6s. That's real important. Yeah. Very good. Now, what about a heavier protein um, in the diet to add the weight? Do you sure. do you say, "Oh gosh, always alfalfa now," or what do you do? Not with necessarily. Okay. Um, a lot of people shy away from alfalfa for a variety of reasons. Most of them are really not substantiated, frankly. I like alfalfa. I think that it's a good source of protein, and horses love it. But some horses do seem to be sensitive to it. I occasionally come across a horse that's actually allergic to it, so mm. that could also be a problem. But um, in addition to alfalfa, the, the idea is to provide a variety of protein sources. So you've got protein from your hay, maybe also from your pasture, if you're lucky enough to have that. Mm-hmm. You have protein from maybe your, your alfalfa, if you're adding that. Um, and then the flax or chia seeds for your omega-3s, that's a source of protein. And finally, to really boost the protein up a bit, like especially for the underweight horse, I like to add some hemp seed hearts. Mm, And uh, that's my favorite of all. And um, my own horse gets two cups of them a day. And, wow. he, and he loves me. He just loves me. <laughs> <laughs> That's his treat. Huh? <laughs> well, they're not a treat, but he's a thoroughbred and he does tend to be underweight and he's 24 years old. And so wow. I looked at all those things for him. But um, the, the thing is, is that hemp, uh, whether it be the whole hemp seed heart or um, a hemp seed meal, which takes the fat out, the protein that's in hemp seeds is remarkable. Mm. It actually is better in quality than soy. And we always thought that soy was the best plant protein available, but it's not. Hemp is even better. And so by adding hemp seeds to your horse's diet, you're providing quality protein that will boost the overall quality of protein in the entire diet Mm. so that he can make body tissue he can put on more muscle for example which is what you what you want in an underweight horse and um also feeds his body in other ways it it feeds his hooves his joints his hair 
his digestive tract, his vital organs. It's just a wonderful way to add a quality protein along with some extra fat for the underweight horse. So the whole hemp seed, or I should say the hemp seed heart, mm-hmm. which is the 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 seed that the hull has been removed from yeah. is very high in fat and it's a good kind of fat. So it's an excellent whole food to give to your horse. My goodness, that's great to know. I didn't know that about hemp seed heart. And and um hemp seems to be taking on a new dimension in the whole equine industry from even bedding <laughs> from well, you yes, know, a byproduct. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so many things that you've told us about too on this show. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to well, watch that or invest in some property in hemp growing or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not something I, I often recommend. That's a tough one for most people. <laughs> yeah. To yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it, I'll stick with horses, which is hard enough. <laughs> no, I do have one client who does actually do that as oddly enough. Um, but, you know, sometimes people say to me, well, isn't hemp, um, doesn't that contain uh, CBD or THC? You know, does it, is it like marijuana? No, 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 it doesn't. The, 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 the CBD, um, <clears throat> which is a prohibited substance um, in most, um, uh, you know, eventing or, or training types of situations or performing situations, um, is, not, is not found in the seed the CBD is in the stem uh, and the leaves of the plant, not in the seed. So there is no need to worry about that. Um, certainly THC is um, in a different uh, strain of, of um, the cannabis, cannabis plant. So that's not, your horses are not going to get high either. So that's not a, a concern either. Yeah, so no performance concerns, actually. It's probably right. what people would ask is, does it test, right? Yeah, okay, so does yeah. it test, right. Yeah. That's that's yeah. true. Yeah. And so um, it, it really um, isn't an issue. CBD, in my opinion, is not an issue in terms of, uh, of um, horses' behavior or performance. But nonetheless, it's just, it is supposed to be prohibited. And in California, I am not permitted to send... Uh, hemp products of any kind mm. um, to California for that reason. Uh, I don't know what that would be, except for the fact that uh, there's so much that's being grown out here. You would be competition. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that they're against it. So. I, I suppose don't. that's, well, I could send hemp products for people or for dogs and cats, really? but I cannot send it for horses because horses are considered livestock. And so we, they have separate rules. For that I see. I see well maybe that'll change here soon too so. yes yes <laughs> well thank you so much i think this is really informative and i'm so glad we got this in our lexicon the hard keeper and how to safely put some weight on your underweight horse that's great and it's such a pleasure to see them when they start to to look better yes. and feel better it really is yes that's exactly right we we are taking as you know we have a, a monty roberts Mustang and Transition Horse Program, and many of our transition horses are coming from the racetrack, the OTTBs, mm-hmm. and they do come, as you know, a little ribby. You have an OTTB yourself, right? Yes, yes I do. At the track, yes, yeah. I do. And, and um, yeah, we, we don't like to see those ribs stay very long, and they don't stay very long on ours, but it is something that we do work hard at, uh, is getting them to 
chill out. Actually, we're playing with some hemp products right now, some hemp pellets, just to see if it helps with the focus and the weight gain. So, Ah, wonderful. You'll have to let me know. Hi, Debbie. I just had to write and tell you how much I'm enjoying Monty's podcast on Horsemanship Radio. You and Monty and your podcast guests are my company every evening while I'm feeding, cleaning, and finishing up barn chores for the day. I especially enjoyed the recent podcast 158 because so many of the guys that Monty talked about, and especially Greg Ward, were heroes of mine when I was growing up. It was really fun to be a fly on the wall listening to Monty recount all those stories. And I also enjoyed his discussion with Tanya Johnston about the deer and sigmotaxis. Thanks for all the great information you and your dad are spreading throughout the world. And thanks for making the time doing my barn chores, no chore at all. All the best, Nan Meek. Our next guest is Cameron Ring. Awesome gal entered Cameron's life when he was in college. She was a shy, standoffish rescue horse recovering from the past abuse that she had endured. And Cameron was at a crossroads in his life. But they would form a unique bond that grew stronger as the years went on. Cameron says he didn't rescue Awesome. Awesome rescued him. She inspired him to recklessly follow his dreams without abandon. So Cameron quit his job and moved to New York, chasing the dream of acting, where he starred in both theater and film productions, including Prophet, the story of Nat Turner, the Thurgood Marshall story, and from man to Superman. Soon Cameron realized the power of cinema in telling stories, and he wanted to use that power to tell Awesome Gal's powerful story. Though we cannot change Awesome's past, we can change the future for thousands of other horses suffering from the same abuse by telling her story of hope, healing, and triumph. Well, welcome back, Cameron Ring. I'm so glad to have you back on with lots of good news. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to be back on. Thank you for for having me. We should have you more more often, just because you're you're shucking and jiving. You're getting so many things done from here to Virginia to Washington that I can barely keep up. And and the fun thing is, <laughs> there's so many people that we all know together that are that are having fun together and yeah. collaborating. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And it yeah, I well, I mean, honestly, I can barely keep up with yeah. <laughs> all of them doing it. <laughs> but. I believe it. I believe it. Well, I definitely wanted to talk about your program that's just keeps evolving and growing and, and and with influence. So in case there's listeners that actually can help out in that influence, I want you to tell us how we're gonna do that. So we'll be talking about Mustangs and veterans for sure. Okay. Here today. Probably one of our biggest passions here at Flag is Up and with Monty and um, yeah. every, everybody I know just about. But yeah. but there I mean there's there's a lot more just uh, that you're influencing right now too. And so I mean the first thing I I just learned, I didn't know that you oh, be- what? <laughs> you are becoming the incoming president of the equine community through cooperation and education. Oh my gosh, you're like getting so official. That's yeah. great. <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> Tell me about um, what is yeah. that? What is it? I'm really excited. It's a collaboration of people who want to collaborate to make the world better for horses and people. And that's its general um forum and they have scholarships and they have a a weekly publication and we also have a winter webinar series which is coming up where we have influential people in the horse world like marty irby and ashley avis come and speak and tell their work with horses so 
that's what we're trying to do. And I wanted to be involved um, as much as I could a while ago. And so I got involved with them. And this was kind of something that, like everything that I've done, took on a life of its own. And now I'm president. <laughs> and you're president. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading about your your um, presidency here and, and the article that you wrote. And I love this quote. And I thought, you know what, this is a great way, if somebody's just hearing you for the first time here on Horsemanship Radio, a great way to introduce who Cameron Ring is. It said, one of my favorite quotes is, the future belongs to the dreamers. And that this is especially apt for horse people. So tell, tell <laughs> yes. us tell us what you dream of, Cameron. Oh, what do I dream of? Um, well, a lot of things. But when it comes to horses, um, I just I dream that we as humans understand that how amazing horses are as healers and um mm. And, and sentient beings that can offer so much. I feel like too many people just see them as, um, well, the worst case, livestock. But right. best case, something, uh, a machine that can make money for them. And then they cast it off when it's done making money. Um, so, and I want a dream of a world where that isn't the case, where people understand the inherent value that horses bring just by existing, how they make human lives better and really help us as a species. One of the best quotes I heard was, um, honestly, I don't even remember his name. It was a while ago, but he has a small horse rescue ranch in South Carolina. And he said, um, humans, I mean, he said, horses, for first horses saved human civilization, mm. and now horses are going to save human soul. Oh, I always like that. Yeah. yeah, that's good. And it's true. Didn't they help us develop the whole world? Yeah. Yeah, they did. They fought our wars. They built our monuments. They built our cities, plowed our fields so we could eat. Everything was done with horses. Exactly. And exactly. Now, now it's time to but turn now it they around. have a different purpose. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We, yeah. They've given us everything. It's time we give them something back. Well, to that end, that's what I really had you on the phone for is to talk about your, and I'll say your, I know you've got a team and a bunch of influencers around you like the Marty Irby's and the Ashley Avises that you mentioned before. Um, all my buddies who get to come to the movement, yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is just great. But yeah, tell us about the Mustang and Veteran Healing Program. Tell me, you know, give us a little synopsis of what it is and then tell us what you've been doing just in like in the last six months even. Okay. Yeah. Um, and really, it's only been around for about six months yeah. as a as a official thing, I guess you would say. It is a, what it is is a proposal that in a, a long story short, it calls for an end to the roundups and transfer of herd management responsibilities from, well, the ranchers who do it to veterans who manage the herds. And it was using if we have to um, do herd management, it would be through. Uh, darting, but we also would like to have veterans. It would be be bigger in scope where they are assist in rangeland improvement and conservation. Because that, great yeah, idea. that would be so, yeah, and it's something that I think would help not just mustangs, but it would help veterans too coming mm -hmm. back um, from war. One of the best, a friend of mine, uh, he sir, he he actually was in. Vietnam and Iraq. He's, he was around yeah. both uh, combat in both of those. And he um, 
said, you know, we talking about his buddies, he said, he said, we would love to shoot something and not kill it. Yeah. And it would be so powerful for veterans. Yeah. To be able to take the skills honed in war, come back home and save lives with those same skills. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? I mean, skills are one thing. Um, what do they say? Guns don't kill people. You know, people kill yeah. people. But yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it is kind of like that. It's just a tool that you are home yeah. in, in. And I know you served, too. So tell us what you served in. Yes. I was in the Army National Guard. I didn't okay. I did not see combat, um, but um, I was absolutely healed by horses. And that's how this started. It was started by me and a couple of my friends, all Army, who and they did see combat. And we had one thing in common. We all were healed by horses. And that, and when we saw what was happening to, with the roundups in the West, it, we took it personally, A, because we know how deep and emotional horses are, but also we didn't sign up to defend a country that does that. We signed up to protect the West, the, the amazing Western heritage of, of that our country has. It's so unique that you don't find anywhere else in the world. We didn't sign up to watch it be destroyed by our own government. So we banded together. And at first it was just an idea. It was like, Hey, veterans should have a voice in this because they don't. And then it kind of evolved into what it is now, which is an actual proposal that we're taking to Congress, essentially saying, let us manage the, the range, take it away from the people who get millions of dollars to round up. And yeah. it's, it's a racket. It's, yeah. The livestock <laughs> companies get ridiculous money for it. And then they get put into holding facilities. Um, the horses do, which are also run in by the, um, by their livestock companies and then they get to put their cattle on the land. It's like the mafia didn't run a racket that well. So <laughs> well, <laughs> we want to yeah, break I mean, the cycle and, and we, there's a better way. There's a lot of people who think, Oh, this is a, a horse versus cattle a kind of controversy or anything, but let's just talk about the numbers. Let's just talk about the cost to the American public who, who look onto the mountaintops and the beautiful photos taken of Mustangs and think, ah, oh, that's a wonderful thing that we have an American icon, the, the American Mustang, gosh, they named a car after it. And there's all these yeah. uh, Disney <laughs> movies and, yeah. and uh, it's wonderful, except that we, we don't know how tough Mustangs have it out there. And it's by choice. Hey, they've survived thousands of years out there and yeah. we probably couldn't. So, I give them that. I give the Mustangs that they are <laughs> yeah. like super um, resilient and and just hard to kill. And it's wonderful that we have that in our, our heritage. But let's talk mm-hmm. about the management of it and what it costs. Give us a little thumbnail of that one. Yeah. Well, the the on average per year to round them up and put them in holding facilities is about $140 million per year. The BLM estimates that to hold the horses alone will cost two billion over uh, over the, the next, I believe, ten years. And how many and horses is that? How many horses did you say? The, they right now it's fifty thousand in holding. Yeah. They want to double it. There are eighty thousand on the range. They want to reduce it to, to about twenty thousand. But to give you a perspective, um, the number of cattle on the range at any given time is one point seven million. Okay. And it fluctuates between you know 1.2 1.7 million on the land so and what does that cost us what does cattle on the land cost a taxpayer well the uh it's basically the the cheap land that oh. they get through grazing permits so the what they do is more than cost the taxpayers they destroy the land right. the cattle will congregate at um around water sources and what they do is they eat 
the grass to the, to the root mm-hmm. and their digestive system destroys the seeds. So they end up clear, essentially clear cutting the range. Mm-hmm. Whereas horses, on the other hand, they're native, equid evolved in North America and they're a native species and they will travel 20 miles on average, 20 miles a day. And they nibble at the grass and their digestive systems actually uh, don't p- preserve the seeds. So, so they will re-germinate the land. They're actually crucial for ecosystem health. And we're just, we're taking away the, the horses in favor of the cattle. Yeah. For, and it's in, yeah. And the, the, the estimate about um, the numbers I've seen for how much money the government gets, basically they, they quote, get money through yeah. selling grazing permits. And they get about, a, they average about $100,000 for that, but then it costs, like I said, 140 million to get yeah. rid of the cattle. So do the math. <laughs> it's not, it's like, not, a, well, <laughs> not a good legend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only the government could get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, a, not a good business. So the um, yeah. what's the estimated cost of this program you're talking about? What's it going to cost us for these veterans so, to, to put their yeah? We're we're on? we're mimicking it after what the Salt River herd does and the uh, Virginia Range herd does which is actually using volunteers. Mm-hmm. So the, in, in a, if we want to talk more numbers uh, in a perfect world, maybe we go on and actually have employ for veterans full time. But right now we want to do um, have expenses paid and cost of PZP and darting, mm-hmm. which is what the, in the Virginia range herd, I'm blanking on the number, but it's, you know, it's, not 140 million. I was going to say, is it anywhere close <laughs> to a million? Not even a million. No, not even. It would be, it, yeah, it was, it's, and it's something that is needed both for the range, but also in terms of vet, men, mental health for veterans. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you say it's a proposal to improve the mental health health of military veterans through humane management of wild Mustang populations. I can't think of a more disciplined and courageous group of people than our military trained for this, this skill set, you know, whether it be sharpshooters for, for darting and, and creating a plan for darting, not just random darting, not, um, not uh, just helter skelter, but, but actually choosing, you know, strong individuals to reproduce and not every year, you know, there, there's an intelligent way to do yeah. this. We've, we've heard about it for years, but nobody ever does anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There, and there are, there are a few places where it's actually done. So what we're, we're not even trying to say, Hey, let's do something new. Ah. We're, what we're saying is take these small places where it is done um, the Salt River herd is managed through the state, so they're not touched by the BLM. And the Virginia Range herd is managed. I don't know how they pulled this off, but it is a BLM herd that is managed through darting by AWHC, American Wild Horse Campaign. And those, and there are a couple others. And so all we want to do is take those that are already viable and shown to to um, have viable populations of horses, healthy populations for a long period of time. And ex- expand that to the rest of the herds. Love it. Love it, Cameron and Ring. This it is, sounds simple, right? It, you <laughs> think, logical. but what have you been doing? So I know you've been sort of marching on Washington. Who do you have involved yeah. there inside that will help us? Well, like we mentioned, so Marty Irby and the American Wild Horse Campaign both have shown a lot of support for this. And so we are um, 
hoping to work with them to come up with a plan that will get everyone in Congress on board. We have something for everyone. So when it comes to environment, we have people who care about the environment can get on board. People who care about veterans can get on board. And then the uh, cost cutters, people who care about the budget can get on board. Perfect. So that's that's what we're doing. I Personally, I've been meeting one-on-one with offices of um, different congressmen, and we've been getting a decent amount of support for it. Okay. But we're just trying to find that one congressman who will take the lead. That's the hardest part. Everyone says they like the idea. No one wants to take the lead on it. <laughs> uh, no courage there. Well, I'm glad no, you're I know. <laughs> I'm glad you're courageous. We, we need more Cameron Rings out there. And uh, and certainly Marty no. Irby's people, uh, listeners of this show know Marty Irby from his uh, certificate from the Queen of England. Uh, we've had him on many times. Yes. And yeah. dad, dad and Marty and I go way back. And we love what he's doing quietly there in Washington, too, to help out horses and now you as well. And uh, you've got some pretty creative, uh, skilled people behind you like Ashley. And and so we want to hear more about that now. Now, as, oh. as one of your first <laughs> oh, okay. board uh, of duties, I want to hear about, you mentioned something at the top about scholarships from your Equine Collaborative International. Tell us about that because I got kind of interested in you're, you're getting scholarships for people to go get educated, which is, I know, yeah. the theme with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's a it's a once a year scholarship that gives people uh, ki- people going into college who want to study in the equine um, trade. Something has to do with horses. It doesn't have to be a specific thing. But there are uh, app- actually I think the applications are closed. But we can get it. Uh, I will send you the information for the next time. Great. And yeah, we give it out to someone who wants to learn more about horses and hopefully keep the uh, natural type of horsemanship that Monty Monty has been advocating his entire life going. Good. Good. We'd love to see some students out here picking up these concepts and taking them back to their parts of the world too. Yeah. Um, And you know, that's our heart is uh, that gentling wild horse facility is here for the taking. And so we love having interns and students come. Yes. It was amazing when I saw it. So, Anyone who's yeah. listening should go see yeah. Monty in action. It's pretty amazing. Place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's right. He's doing that right now, Cameron, as we speak. He's got. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, he's got an intern <laughs> here named Adam Black. Some people will know him from the um, Appalachia Mustang makeover challenge that they do back in Appalachia. He he uh, won that and then he was so good he became a judge for it and he's here now interning with us and training with dad and with Simon our our resident instructor here awesome yeah yeah good. so he's already here so come on get your your scholarship applications in and uh, we'll get some more students out here learning these yes beautiful yeah. horse techniques and um, I so appreciate you Cameron coming back on anytime you have something new you just you know, okay. I will. Yeah. Okay. I will for sure. I don't know how much new, how many new things I can take on. I don't, I don't know how your head (laughs) doesn't pop, but I'm so glad. Yeah. Yeah. And say hi to awesome gal for us too. Will you? I will. Yes. Awesome gal. She was, yeah, we talked about her last time, but she's doing, she's doing well and she's sweeter than ever. She comes up, she nuzzles me when she sees me now where, which I love. She puts her like her muzzle in my chest. She's just, lovely. She's yeah, lovely. Awesome gal is Cameron's uh, Tennessee walking horse, who's beautiful color. And just look at his photo on our website, horsemanshipradio.com. Yeah, yeah. 
And that's, she's the reason I got involved in horses, the horse advocacy world in the first place. She was a Tennessee wa- a rescue Tennessee walker who was soared before she came to us, which I know we've talked about before a lot, but because of her, I saw not just got involved in horse advocacy, but also realized how powerful uh, and spiritual horses are as, as healers and, and animals that can just, you know, make hum- humanity better. How do people get a hold of you if they want to help? Oh, well, they, um, on the best way, my email and number are all on the Facebook site, Veterans for Mustangs. That's perfect. So, yeah, go there or me- direct message Veterans for Mustangs. I see all of that. And definitely feel free to reach out and let's, let's save the Mustangs. Let's do it. Let's do it. And, and we are going to put those in the show notes, too. So if, if you're listening to this, go to horsemanshipradio.com and you'll see in the show notes the link to that page and uh, all about Cameron. Awesome. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you so Thanks for being on Horsemanship Radio again, Cameron. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let's talk about American Harvest. I spoke with the founder, John Paracha, this last week to share how well our transition horses are responding to his equine hemp pellets. That's what we've been feeding them while they're being trained for their next homes through adoption. Equine hemp utilizes their raw CBD technology and was designed by their veterinarian, Dr. Silver. They proudly utilize no chemical processing in the manufacturing of equine hemp, and it comes in four-pound, two-pound, and one-pound packages. To get some for your horse today, go to ahihemp.com. That stands for American Harvest, so it's A-H-I-H-E-M-P.com. And you can sign up to receive 10% off on your first order while you're over there, too. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, I have a 36-year-old stallion, and for three years I have had a problem with him. Every time I walk my horse with a halter only to a venue to work with him, he just stands still on the road or in front of the door. I have the feeling he does not respect me. When my teacher, who has helped me learn to ride the horse, walks behind the two of us, he just walks in the indoor school hall right away. But if my friend does the same and urges him to move, my horse only makes one step. He does not only threaten to kick people, he does it. My friend has had an accident with this horse already. Could you please help? Monty's answer. At 36 years of age, this horse is, by most accepted standards, well into his 90s in human terms. No matter how difficult great-grandfather seems to be, the family generally doesn't discuss ways to retrain him. There comes a time for every person and every horse when responsibilities are a thing of the past and retirement is well earned in our 90s. I would do this old horse no favor if I started discussing ways to improve his behavior. Green grass, fresh water, and a loving person to groom and care for him is what this old fellow needs at this time 
and all I would recommend for him. When you have a similar problem with a horse of an age more reasonable for training, then you will find me recommending my Dooley Halter. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. In January, here we are. We've got at the end of the month, January 29th, Horsemanship 101. A lot of fun. And then January 31 through February 2, we have a module, part of the introductory course, certification courses now. Intro course module one is the first steps to Monty's methods. So if you want to jump into the methods, jump in here, January 31 to February 2. And then in February, we have three to five is introductory course module two, and that's where you get to do your first join-ups. So we have join-up on February 3 through 5, and then February 7 to 9, we have the introductory course module three. That's when you get a little bit more talented with long lining, and that puts the top line on your horse. So we're getting through the certification course module at a time. And then February 22, sorry, 10 through 12, we have the introductory course module four. So if you've taken all those those modules, one, two, and three, you can now take four, which is preparation for the intro exams. And then February 14 to 18, we have Gentling Wild Horses, and that is a five-day course out in Monty's famous Gentling Pen. A lot of talk about that one. And then February 21 through 25, we have a Monty Special Training. We'll be doing some filming, some exclusive filming for the Monty Special Training for the uni, for our Equus Online University. That's at MontyRoberts.com. Then in March, some advance notice, we're going to repeat some of those modules, and you can go on the website and see, but it's 8 through 10 for Module 1, March 15 through 17 for Module 2, and then March 22 through 24 for Module 3, that's the long lining, and then that Module 4 to get ready for the exams is March 29 through 31. Advance notice, we will be having another introductory course exam then April uh, 2022. That's April 4th through 8th. So that's the exams after you've done the preparation. So anybody who's taken all four modules somewhere along the line can now jump into April with their intro exams. And then we've got a horse sense and healing. Okay, long term, we're going to be in June 17th through 19th is the movement 2022. This is our fifth annual. So come look, come see, and go to the website find all that information that you couldn't possibly have memorized or taken notes on, especially if you're driving. For details about today's show, go to horsemanshipradio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under facebook.com slash Monty Roberts, Twitter at twitter.com slash Monty underscore Roberts, and Instagram, instagram.com slash Monty underscore Roberts. Well done, George. Thank you. And many thanks to our sponsors, too. That's Hands On Gloves, Monty Roberts University, and American Harvest, Inc. Be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. (laughs) 